Alrighty, guys, if you have your Bibles tonight, we are continuing our study in the book of uh, book of Romans, and um, I think we're at Romans chapter number 13 or so. Yep, Romans chapter number 13. So we're going to uh, just look at two, uh, actually three short verses, but there's a lot to these three short verses. So if you have your Bibles tonight, open up to Romans chapter number 13. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10. Now, what we're doing right here is we're continuing this part of Romans is kind of where Paul is just uh, giving us as believers some uh, some mandates. He's given us some instructions on how we should live our life. Guys, how many know that your faith better affects your life? Okay? Our faith, our Christian faith is, doesn't occupy itself in a vacuum. Bless you. doesn't happen in a vacuum, okay? Your faith should change everything about your life. Amen? Your faith, what God has done in your heart and in your life, should change the way you treat others. Amen? It should change the way you treat your children. It should change the way that you are a business person. So, again, it, it, there's so many different aspects to that. And, and in these three short verses, you're going to hear a lot of things that sound a lot like the Ten Commandments, because that's... That's where they're taken from, okay? But again, what God has done in our hearts should affect the way we live our lives. And and there's just some reminders that Paul gives us, and we're going to dig deep into a few of those because, you know what, guys? I, I, guess what? Things that were black and white uh, 2,000 years ago are still black and white today. Even though our society seems to see everything in a cloudy state of gray, Okay, everything that everything that was a sin a hundred years ago is still a sin today. Amen. Doesn't matter what Facebook says. Doesn't matter what the media says. Doesn't matter what's acceptable today and not in our culture. Sin is still sin. Amen. And we as Christians should not partake in that nonsense. Okay. So we're going to talk about some things today. And and again, um, um, just want to encourage you to open up your hearts and let God speak to you. So we're going to talk about the commandments of God to believers that are very clear and very forceful, especially when dealing with our neighbors, and that is our fellow citizens. So again, um, we're talking about how we treat others, okay? And that's how our faith should should affect us. So Romans chapter number 13, we're going to read verses 8 through 10, and uh, let's get started. Verse number 8, the King James Version says this, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Verse 9. For this thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Sounds a lot like the Ten Ten Commandments, huh? Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Let's pray tonight that the Lord would just speak to our hearts and that you'd be able to take a nugget or two tonight and and, um, and and apply it into your life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, with so many changes today, your word is a constant, Lord. And we can lean on that word and we can learn from that word, Lord. And I just ask right now, Lord, that this be more of a, uh, God, it's, it's not enough for us to read the word. Let the word read us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. There are going to be some different things I'm going to deal with tonight. And, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you have permission to rattle our cages. You have permission, Lord God, to get in our business. Because, Lord, this is serious stuff. And our faith needs to change the way we treat others. So I'm just asking you to touch us right now and help us to grow closer to you in so many ways. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody would say amen. So verse number 8, we, we start out with this. There is one very basic law that sums up all the other laws of men. 
It's an, ama- it's an amazing thing to think about all the laws of human life can be summed up into one law, but they can. The one law that embraces all others is the law of love. Scripture clearly declares, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Two significant points. Number one, as believers, we are to owe no man anything. Now, at first glance, the verse seems to be saying that as believers, we're not to borrow or become indebted to any man. In light of what's been taught up to this, this is true. But it is both God's will and a must for Christian believers to put into practice. A believer is to set the example in paying men honor when honor is due, as well as paying his debts when debts are due. So how does this commandment work out in today's practice? Does this commandment mean that a believer should never borrow money or purchase things, um, uh, big-ticket items like a car or a house? No, no, no. But what it means is that we need to keep our priorities straight. Okay? There are, of course, different interpretations as to how this commandment should be related to various uh, very, various money practices, but three things can be clearly said and should be diligently practiced by all of us as believers. Number one, nothing should ever be purchased by a believer that is not really needed. How many know there's a big difference between your needs and your wants? Okay? You know, it's hunting season, guys. Okay? We, uh, we, have, some, uh, we have some wants when it comes to hunting the stuff and those type things that... that <clears throat> tell them. I'm about to, I'm about to, about to, about to make it more difficult for you, Lindy. This is your first hunting season, married to him, right? Okay. Do you hunt a little bit, Kevin? Awesome. I love it. Okay. Uh, but, 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 guess what? Everything he wants are not needed. Okay. Okay. Now, what he needs is he needs. Kevin doesn't like me right now. Okay. <laughs> But, but, but again, I've been there, and, and I want you guys blessed, okay? And look, this is the same dude who financed the shotgun, okay? Can, can I, confession's good for the soul. Yeah, I was in college, okay, and I needed a new shotgun, <coughs> okay? And, and I financed that thing. Mike, how dumb does it take for somebody to finance a shotgun? It was a nice shotgun. I still have that thing, by the way, okay? And, um, um... But here's the deal. I, I told my wife I needed it, okay? Did I really need that? No. I wanted it. Now, I still have it today, and I paid it off and all that stuff. But, but, but again, sometimes we as men, we, we, we mistake wants for needs, okay? Now, you ladies, y'all are guilty of that as well, okay? You know, the other day, me and my wife were driving along, and we passed by this little place called Stage. Okay, some of you late. I'm, I'm picking on them now. Okay, you know, you, it, you know, I could have brought up Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, but those are those are necessary trips for us men. But but stage is one of those necessary trips for you ladies. Okay, my wife said, "Ooh, stage! I hadn't been there in a while." And I just thank the Lord for a moment. Lord, thank you. Okay, because how many know that that, that ladies, you don't need the new pair of boots. You don't need the new mock turtleneck. You don't, you, you want it, okay? And, and you look cute in those things, but, but again, sometimes we mix up our needs and our wants, now don't we? Okay? So here's the first thing to remember when it comes to, uh, to this scripture about no, no, oh, no man, nothing. Let's make sure that we don't buy nothing that we don't absolutely need, okay? You know what's funny? Um, um, Dave Ramsey says this. He says, we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. 
Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses, because the Joneses are broke. No, no offense, Joneses, okay? It's a phrase, okay? But so many times, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're trying to keep up with people that are our brother-in-law, okay? Look, your, your brother-in-law doesn't have it all together. He married your sister, okay? But, can I say that? Okay, I'm cutting up. James, remember what I told you about being a smart ass? Yeah, so you can see why me and Josh love each other. But but here's the deal, guys. Sometimes we mix up our wants and needs, right? So we need to make sure the purchases we're making are really necessary. Number two, nothing should ever be purchased unless a believer can meet the obligations of paying for it. How many know a Christian should pay his bills? Amen? Should pay his bills. Absolutely. Simple as that, okay? And if the believer has to purchase an expensive item, such as a car and a house, and make payments, he must be able to make that payment or not purchase the item. Make sure that it fits into your budget. And just because the bank says you can afford it doesn't mean you really can. Okay? I remember one time we went to sit down for our first home loan, and, 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 and the bank said, you can afford X amount of dollars. And, no, we can't. Okay? Yeah, but the percentage is no, we can't, okay? We was, if we would have bought that kind of home, we'd be sitting on five-gallon buckets watching a 19-inch TV and have nothing else in the house if we bought that kind of house. But, but again, just because the bank says you can afford it doesn't mean you can afford it, okay? Hey, with it, with it being Christmas season, let me make a statement. And sometimes I, I, I always say this at Christmas time, but sometimes I do it after Black Friday. It probably needs to be said before Black Friday. Don't go into debt this Christmas. Amen? Don't go into debt this Christmas. If you're thinking you've got to prove your love by buying your kids or, or your brother or your sister or whoever, all kind of stuff, honey, wise up, okay? Don't go into debt this Christmas, okay? You don't want to be paying for Christmas presents next July, okay? So, again, that, that's just helpful stuff, okay? So, again, the Bible tells us, oh, oh, no, man, nothing. Very simply, as Christian believers, we must always pay our debts and fulfill our obligations, okay? Don't go into, don't go into debt this Christmas season. Trust me, you'd appreciate it. You'll, you'll, you take that advice, you'll be blessed because of it. Secondly, the believer is to owe no man anything but love. Love will do more to win men to Jesus and bring them into and, and, and change our community and change our society than any other virtue. As the verse says, love fulfills the law. Therefore, if everyone will love one another, then everyone will be fulfilling the law. This is clearly seen in this passage. In fact, it is the major thrust of these verses. It is the, the why behind the what. Okay, we're going to get into some details of what exactly Paul was telling the Romans to do. But the reason behind it all is why is, is love. Sounds a whole lot like a core value at this church, doesn't it? Sounds like a whole, a whole lot about uh, uh, the core of the gospel. It's all about love. When we love one another, we prove, to, we, we prove the Word of God. We prove what Jesus did in your life. Amen? In fact, Jesus taught, you can't say you love, you can't say you love God and you hate your neighbor. Love and hate does not commingle. It can't be like that, guys. we got to love one another. And that's what the Bible tells us, to owe no man anything but to love him. Just how love fulfills the law is the subject of the following points, okay? So let's get started with it. First thing we're talking about is in verse number 9, thou shalt not commit adultery. You see, love forbids that, okay? Love for forbids adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Exodus 20 and 14. It's in the uh, in the Ten Commandments, okay? Two significant points. Number one, 
In the context of the Ten Commandments, adultery refers to all forms of sexual immorality. This would include sex before marriage, homosexuality, and all other sexual deviations, including pornography and all kind of nonsense like that. We as Christians should have nothing to do with that. Amen? Love forbids it. Now, and, and again, we're not going to get caught up too much in the what. It's about the why. Why are we against adultery? Because we're for God. We love God. We love His commandments. We want to do... Remember this, guys. Blessings always follow what? Obedience. When we're obedient to do things God's way, when we do things God's way, we get God results. And that's a good thing. Secondly, love forbids adultery. That is, any sex outside of the marriage bond. How can love forbid a loving act? Is not sex an act of love, an act of mutual sharing that enriches life? Yes, if it's experienced within true marriage. A marriage that is spiritually united by God. Know if it's experienced outside of marriage. Look, guys, God created the most intimate act that two humans can have, but it, it, is, it, is, it has parameters, okay? The world tries to say, do all that you can, do whatever, and there's no repercussions. Wrong, okay? You can do things the world's way or you can do things God's way. I tried doing things the world's way for 20 years. That didn't work too well for me. Amen? But for the last 25, I've been doing things God's way, and my life is substantially better because of it. So again, in this area, like so many areas, we have to do things God's way. Consider what the Bible says in Romans chapter number 1, verses 18 and 19. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all the unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Again, guys, people are judged because they don't do things God's way. Amen? So we've got to do things God's way. Um, how is sexual... Uh, oh, oh, by the way, I got a little bit ahead of myself. The Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 and 18 that we should flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that committed fornication sins against his own body. How is that true? A couple quick ways. Number one, sexual immorality destroys a, personal, uh, a person's rationality and intelligence. Okay? Basically, what is the thing that sets us apart from animals? Our minds, our ability to comprehend things, our abilities to think things out, okay? You know, we like to we like to give our animals personality, okay? Sister Garland loves cats, okay? And every time I see a cute little cat thing, I think of Sister Garland, okay? And she probably wishes she had her cat on the lap right now, okay? But then we'd have fur on the on the seats and that wouldn't be good, okay? But but guess what? As much as you try to give them personalities, and, and they're a little bit different, they haven't been given that gift from God, okay? Even though we try to think, oh, our, our little kitty is thinking things, he ain't thinking things, okay? My dumb cat just wants in the house, okay? And, and all he says is meow, okay? And meow could mean food, meow could mean I like you, meow could mean I want a kitty. You know, again, they don't think through things. But the thing that sets us apart as human beings is God has given us a rational mind. And we get to make decisions based upon rational thought, okay? Now, there are people who, who, who don't put much thought into things, okay? And they make poor decisions, okay? Especially in this area, okay? Especially in this area, guys. But, but when, you, when, you, 
when you fornicate, when you make choices that are outside the will of God in this area, you sin against your entire body. You sin against your entire body. And that's not the will of God. Secondly, sexual immorality destroys a person's body as it lowers his body to the level of an animal. We talked about that. I remember one of the one of the most striking times that I had as a health coach, PE coach at Franklin High School, is I did a teaching on, believe it or not, they actually did an abstinence teaching at Franklin High School. Praise God. That was awesome, okay? But one aspect of that is they were talking about sexually transmitted diseases, okay? And they had videos, Okay, I didn't show the videos, but I showed some snapshot pictures, and it grossed those guys out. Thank you. It got their attention, okay? Because, again, animals don't think about that kind of stuff. But when you sin in this area, you sin against your entire body. There's consequences to that. Thirdly, sexual immor- immorality destroys a person's body in that it corrupts the most intimate temple of the Holy Ghost. What does the Bible say? Our body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not think breaking this uh, this commandment of do not commit adultery, do you not think that grieves the Holy Spirit? It absolutely does, just like any sin would. But guys, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't want to do anything that would grieve Him in such a way. In addition, sexual morality destroys a person's body in that it uses the human body only as an object to satisfy urges, passions, and lusts. Guys, think about it. Sex sells everything today, doesn't it? I mean, you can't watch... You will, when you watch the LSU-Alabama game, everybody's going to watch it, okay? Just do a little mental inventory, okay, of how many commercials... Or when you watch your favorite sitcom tonight, do a little inventory of how many commercials involve sex. How many have... Look... Uh, how many How many have a scantily dressed lady selling something to guys, okay? Or some hunk-looking guy, okay, John, take your, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, you know, some, some hunk-looking guy who, like Hayden or Landon, just put together that is selling something for ladies. Why is that? Because sex sells. And, and, and there's something that our society is hung up on. But we as Christians should be different than our society. Amen? The Bible tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. Finally, sexual immorality destroys a person's body in that it creates all sorts of emotional and spiritual problems. Okay? Look, guys. I counsel young married people all the time. They come talk to me, and we talk about this very thing, okay? And we don't go into detail, but I was like, we ask people, have you been sexually intimate with other people? And if the answer is yes, all of a sudden, now we've got to start unpacking some stuff, okay? Because when you have this most intimate act, it connects you in a, in a way with, with someone else. And think about it, in the world's eyes, you're connecting, 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 disconnecting, okay? Because, you know, oh, I was going to marry him, and then you break up, okay? And then you finally get the person that you're going to marry, and you got so much baggage, it makes a mess of things, doesn't it? Do you see how the enemy is selling this world a lie? They think that you just, there, there's no pre- repercussions to your decisions. You can do all, you can sow your wild oats, and then everything will be hunky-dory. no. There's a price to pay. Now, can God forgive? Absolutely. Can God can God give you a breakthrough in that area? Absolutely. But you better flee fornication. You better break that thing. You, again, I'll, 
I'm camping out a little too long in one area. But, but guys, again, so many times I've seen this wreck young people. I've seen this wreck teenagers. I've seen this wreck ministers' lives. We need to do better, guys. We absolutely do. Consider Paul's warning in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Know ye not that unrighteousness shall not, that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's homosexual, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Those will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what's accepted in society today. God's word is still crystal clear. Amen? Now, do we still love people that, that don't make decisions that are pleasing God? Absolutely. Because, look, Jesus loved you and I when we, we were that way, huh? Jesus loved us before we got our act together, and we're going to love everybody who walks in those doors. But we're not going to wink at sin. We're not going to change the Word of God. We can't do that. The Bible also tells us in Galatians chapter number 5, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. These are adultery, fornication, and cleanliness, lasciviousness, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, they that which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, I want to inherit the kingdom of God. I want to live by kingdom principles so I can receive kingdom blessings. Amen? Anybody with me? Let's make sure we, we, we honor this word. Next area. Love forbids killing. Okay? Pretty simple. Thou shalt not kill. The law against murder is the sixth commandment. Exodus 20 and 13. God gave the commandment to protect human life. Life is to be respected and cherished. No life is to be taken. Not one's own life, nor the life of anyone else. Or an unborn life. Amen? Civilized societies have always considered murder to be a serious crime and worthy of judgment. Consider what the scriptures say in Matthew chapter number 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said in old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. First John 3 and 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. The preacher didn't say it. The Bible just did. Christ says that anger and hate are equal to murder. Therefore, the answer to solving the problem of murder and killing is to get rid of anger and hate. Amen? Scripture has the answer. Look at verse number 8. He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Verse 9. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Friends, love is the answer to hate. Amen? Love is the answer to anger. It is the duty of men to love one another. God expects and demands it. But how? Not enough to simply say it. Words alone will not get rid of anger, hate, and killing in this world. How can men be turned from their anger and hate to love? The answer is found in God's people, to those who follow God and are already loving others. God's people must demonstrate love before the world more clearly and forcefully than ever before. God's people must proclaim love to the world more than ever before. Think about how the love of God changed your life. Look, guys, before I met Jesus, I was a pretty hateful guy, okay? Before I met Jesus, I was a jerk of the nth degree, okay? I had, I had very little love for myself and even less love for others, okay? But then Jesus came into my life and he changed that. 
and he changed you as well. Amen? And if he changed you and he's changed me, his love can change others. Amen? His love can change this world. Amen? His love can, can, can be the antidote to hate and murder and anger. Very simply stated, Christian believers must demonstrate what it is to love and proclaim how a person can have his heart changed from anger and hate to love. There are four steps in securing a changed heart and learning how to love. Number one, a person must come to know God and be born of God through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly says that true love is possible only if a person is born of God. 1 John 4, 7-11, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. But he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen? Secondly, a person must think upon and understand the love of God. When a person truly comes to know the love of God, he will then love others. And how does love manifest itself? It manifests itself in forgiving others. You know, whenever I struggle to forgive others of what they've done to me, I start to think about all that God has forgiven me of. All of a sudden, it makes me a little more prone to forgive, doesn't it? Okay? Aren't you glad? Oh, this is good. Aren't you glad God doesn't forgive you like you forgive others? Whoa. Ms. Bliss, you want to come play for the altar call right now? No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but aren't you glad that God doesn't treat you like you treat others? Let the love of God change you, because it can. Amen? But we must think about the love of God from time to time. Thirdly, a person must seek the gift of love from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God can stir men to love one another if they seek His will. Romans 5 and 5. The love of God is shed abroad in the hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. And a person must diligently seek to obey the very special commandment of Jesus found in John 13. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. It's how people will know that we're followers of Jesus, by the way we love. Amen? Because when we love, it changes the way we talk, it changes the way we act, it changes the way we treat others. Amen? Verse number 9, Holy Spirit continues to meddle here. Love forbids stealing. Thou shalt not steal, Exodus 20 and 15. In the Bible, the word steal means to cheat, to take wrongfully from another person, either legally or illegally. Note the laws of men are not the determining factor. God knows what's right and knows what's wrong, and he sees everything. Okay? Just remember that. You can't get over on God. Men can sometimes use the law to steal. Men can take from others without even breaking the law. Men can secure too much of something well behind what they need, something that rightfully belongs to others. Very simply stated, the Bible teaches that stealing is the taking of anything that rightfully belongs to someone else. 
couple of different ways this manifests itself. A person steals by taking something that is actually possessed or personally owned by another person. If he owns it and we take it, then we're guilty of stealing. It may be something as simple as a pencil from the office or an answer to the test from a fellow student. I'm not in youth group, so I won't go there. Or it may be something as complex as embezzlement of funds through bookkeeping procedures. If we take it, we have broken God's commandment and we stand guilty. And God sees everything. The auditor may miss it. Your wife may miss it. But God doesn't miss it. Amen? Proverbs 11 and 1. A false balance is an abomination to God, but a just weight is his delight. Talking about um, uh, fair dealings there. A person steals by hoarding and banking more than he needs. Keeping back is stealing. It is keeping what is not needed for one's own needs. Keeping back is uh, uh, keeps from others, okay? Again, Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 28 says this, um, And God blessed them, man and woman, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. See, the earth is to be subdued and taken dominion over by men. Men are commanded by God to develop the technology, to explore the universe, to control nature, to feed, clothe, house, and give health to people. Know what God is saying. He is not saying this. Only some are to have the benefits and the blessing of the earth. He wants all to be blessed. Amen? He wants all to be blessed. You know what? We have third world countries in our world, okay? And, and you know what the problem in so many of those areas is? The government. <laughs> the government steals. The government takes, okay? We, I, I got a, 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 a message from one of our missionary friends who was telling them about, about all the craziness happening in a, in a certain country right now. And, and it's just because the government has disintegrated, okay? And, and, and really, the only people you can trust to send some funds there are our missionaries, you send it to the government, who knows what's going to happen. But, but again, God, so many times lying and stealing is prevalent. But God's people shouldn't be that way. Amen? The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 21, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust is corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust is corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Did you also know that that um, that not tithing is stealing as well? Malachi chapter number 4. Malachi chapter number 4. The Word of God says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed? The prophet answers, in tithe and offering. You are cursed with a curse, and you have robbed me, even this whole nation. But there's a remedy. There's always a remedy. That's the wonderful thing I love about God. He, he corrects us. He speaks straight forward to us. But then he tells you the way to fix it. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house, and prove me, God says, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's good stuff, isn't it? And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations, say all nations, and all nations shall call you blessed, 
For you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Blessings follow obedience. Amen? So stop holding back from the Lord. Release the blessings of the Lord by being obedient. A person also steals sometimes by living extravagantly beyond what he really, really needs. I talked about that a little bit. Sometimes we miss, we mess up on what we need and what we want. Amen? But let the Lord guide you in that action. There's no question. We need to make sure that we don't do anything that, that are contrary to the Word of God, okay? Consider what Jesus taught the rich young ruler who really had a problem in his heart. Matthew 19 and 21. Jesus said, go and sell what you have. Give it to the poor, that thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. See, the problem with the rich young ruler is he had so many things together, but he lacked one thing, and Jesus touched that one thing. Look, guys, there's nothing worth holding on to to miss out with Jesus. Amen? And that rich young ruler, the sad thing is that the Bible says he went away sorrowful. We don't know how things turned out. We don't know if he came to his senses. We don't know if he ended up working things out. But, but... But he let one thing, riches, keep him from a closer walk with Jesus. So what's the answer? Love. (laughs) The same answer to everything. Loving people enough to stop stealing from them. Loving God enough to, to stop stealing from him. To do what his word says to do. And it's not enough just to tell a person not to do it, but there's some practical steps that must be done. A a person must follow Christ by giving all he is and all he has to the Lord. Consider the the, the full teaching to the rich young ruler in Luke 18, 22-25. Jesus said this, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And when he heard this, the Bible says he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of heaven? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You see, guys, there's nothing wrong with having riches. It's just when riches have you. And that was the problem with this young man, okay? It's okay to have blessings. God wants you to be blessed so you can bless others. But riches had a hold of this boy's heart. And Jesus touched that very thing. And he did it as a warning to all of us so that we don't make mistakes. A person must also stop playing the fool and laying up, or we must stop playing the fool and start laying up treasure in heaven. Consider what Luke chapter number 12 says. Um, because guess what, guys? Uh, our, our soul could be required of us this very night. Luke 12, this is a. Uh, 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 a warning story that Jesus tells. And it said this, And he, the rich man, said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, build bigger ones. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou have many goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. God says unto him, Thou fool, this night your soul will be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be? which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Again, that's a warning. That's an indictment to so many people in the world. But it should be a warning to us as Christian folks to lay up treasures where? In heaven. I've heard it said, and I've even said this at a funeral, I've never seen a hearse with a hitch. Can't take it with you. Okay. By the way, I saw a Facebook meme that had a hearse with a hitch. and I think it was a pull in a boat. Okay, but whatever. That's... 
Okay, other than that, I've never seen a hearse with a hitch. You can't take it with you. Amen? So let's make sure we don't lie, cheat, or steal. Verse number 9 continues with saying, Love forbids bearing false witness. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy brother. Exodus 20 and 16. When most people look at this commandment, they think of a courtroom scene and think that lying or testifying against someone in court is what's being forbidden. This is true. Bearing false witness does mean that we should tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Okay? But, Bearing false witness means far more than just not lying against someone in court. Bearing false witness means any kind of lying. There are several kinds that need to be looked at. Now, while I'm reading these things, consider many of the political commercials we've been enduring the last few weeks. Okay? I'm so ready for election day, so we'll stop seeing these stupid commercials. Okay? But consider the things you've seen while I read these things. Number one, there's slander. That's thinking something bad about a person and sharing it. Misrepresenting something about someone. Tearing down the reputation and life of a person by spreading bad news about him or her. Secondly, there's rumor, gossip, or tattletale. Spreading big or little lies, small things, whether imagined or real. Spreading evil news when one has imagined um, in his mind what he's heard. There are suggested hints arousing a bad impression about someone, stirring the idea that something might possibly be true. The Bible tells us in Exodus 23.1, Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thy hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. There is deception. Thinking or wanting something to be true, just truly being deceptive. There are charges and criticism, accusations made against a person to a third party. There's exaggeration. Hey, look, guys, this hunting season, I hope that you eight-point bucks and eight-point bucks, okay? Uh, when, when you get on them fish, guys, let's, let's make sure you, you count them, okay? But let's not exaggerate, okay? Because that's not Christ-like. Proverbs 20 and 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth. Flattery is, is sinful. Be not with him who flatters with his lips, Okay? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Amen? In light of what a false witness is, it looks like God has left no room for us to discuss uh, bad or evil things with other people. Again, guys, we've got to realize that everything we say, we're going to have to give an account for one day. Let that sink in. The Bible says in Proverbs, he who talks a lot sins a lot. Watch it. Moving right along. I'm almost done. Covetedness. Covetedness. Love forbids being covetedness. Oh, I messed that one up. <laughs> Love forbids covetedness. I- I'm saying that so badly, but I'm going to move right on. Thou shalt not covet. I can King James say it. Thou shalt not covet. Exodus 20 and 17. The word covet means to crave and desire. A person can desire both good and bad things. The word is being used in a good and a bad sense. We should not covet. Okay? Mm. Hey, before I move on from, from the things that we should say and we don't say, let me remind you about this. If someone, someone will talk to you about somebody, they're talking to somebody about you. Just wanted to throw that out there, okay? People don't gossip to me. You know why? Because I don't, I don't hear it, Okay? I, you know how you stop gossip? You say, hey, have you gone to that person? 
Oh, let's go to him together. Have you gone to Pastor Randy? Oh, let's go talk to him. Oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. Okay? And look, guys, you Christian folks, I guess I'm a Christian folk too. We Christian folks can spiritualize it. Sister Garland, you need to pray, buddy. Have you heard? Moving right along. Okay? The Bible says, thou shalt not covet. Okay? We need to make sure that we don't uh, desire things that we shouldn't desire. Note the kinds of things that are forbidden to covet. The Tenth Commandment is crystal clear. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, his personal possessions, his wife, his manservant or maidservant, that's his position, his employment, his officer, his cult, his possessions, his property, his wealth. Okay? And this list does not include... And if this list does not include all that our neighbors have, God adds, and thou shalt not covet anything that is thy neighbor's. Okay? So again, guys, we shouldn't covet our friend's LSU or New Orleans Saints season tickets. We shouldn't covet their hunting lease, and we shouldn't covet their boat or their truck. Okay? The Bible says in Exodus 20 and 17, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's wife, nor his maidservant, nor his, or his manservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. A believer who loves his neighbor and fellow citizens will not covet. They will be content. You know what? Contentment is a sign of maturity. Okay? How many have ever seen a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum? Okay? We've all seen that, okay? It happens to the best of us. Look, we walked away from Hayden at Walmart before, okay? Went to the other aisle and like, some of that was just freaking out, okay? You know, we've done that before. Hey, guess what, guys? As I mature, I don't have those fits, okay? He hasn't had one of those fits in a long time, okay? Praise God, okay? It's one thing for a two-year-old to throw a fit. I've watched a 50-year-old throw a fit. Amen? Actually, you've watched some folks throw a fit. That's not, that's not Christ-like. Amen? Love sums up all the commandments. No matter what the commandment is, the royal commandment is to love thy neighbor as yourself. Finally, verse number 10 says, Love works no evil to his neighbor. To work evil means a person does not just does not mean just the doing or carrying out of evil against a person. Working evil means thinking it, wishing it, planning it, practicing it. We as Christians should want the best for everybody. Amen? Today I heard that Berwick High School received an A, uh, a rating again as a school. I texted our principal and said, congratulations. I'm rejoicing with him. Now, do I have some skin in the game? Sure I do. I have a son who graduates from there. But I was excited for him, as you should be. Okay? That's something to celebrate with. I had a chance to meet a young couple that had a brand new baby. I was just so excited for them. Awesome. Look how cool. And, you know, again, we celebrate with people. That's what we as Christians should do. Why do we do that? Because we love people. We love people and we love God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 27 through 29, concerning this fact, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it with thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. A person who loves will not work evil, but on the contrary, he will work good. He will love God and he will love others. I close with um, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 
And I'm going to read it to you out of the message translation of the Bible, simply because it, it, it needs no qualifying. It needs no, um, uh, no words added on my behalf. And I close with this. It's called The Way of Love. Paul writes in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, friend, you're nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Now here's how he describes love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have the big head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. Keeps going to the end. This kind of love never dies. Never fails. Amen? Guys, tonight we talked a whole lot about loving God and loving others. It's core value around here. It's a benchmark of the gospel. We can't say we love God and not love others. Amen? So let's pray tonight that the Lord would help us to love in a greater measure than ever before. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you right now, Lord, for just giving us some direction tonight, giving us some clear black and white principles for us to apply. And God, as I went through this, I just sense your Holy Spirit spoke to our hearts in a few areas. And God, whatever you speak to our heart, let us act upon it because we love you. And because we love people, and we want to be more like you, God. And the Bible says you are love. Everything you do is because of love. Everything you've done in my life is because you love me. And God, you couldn't imagine eternity without me. And I just say thank you. And God, I just pray right now, Lord God, that I would pay it forward by loving others. That I would pay it forward by being obedient to these commandments and then some. By God, letting love be the reason why I do everything I do. Lord, I pray right now that you would help every one of us under the sound of my voice, everybody watching via Facebook, to love in even a greater way than we've ever loved before. Lord, when we struggle to love others, let us remember that you never struggled to love us. That Jesus, you came and you paid the ultimate price. Why? Because of the Father's love. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would help us to keep all these commandments, be obedient to you in every area of our life, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love you. Lord, bless this congregation. Bless these precious people. Help us, Lord God, to walk and live in your love and be a testimony of your love to others in this world. Lord, touch us tonight. Strengthen us and help us in this all-important area. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, amen and amen.